You're listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. Mark and Jim, good morning. It's April 18th, Saturday. Welcome to the land of uh, the recent Instacart Costco delivery, 16 (laughs) pounds of frozen French fries for Jake Schweitzer. Big day for Jake. Big day. And uh, let's do some let's do some politics this morning. There's been a lot of noise this week around the reopening of America. Mark, go. Failure of leadership. Those were my uh, first three words last week. Pretty much the theme again. You have the president declaring unconstitutionally, I'll add, total authority one day, the next day telling the governors, it's up to you, you're on your own, good luck. And the following day, uh, calling for a liberation movement in Michigan, Minnesota, and Virginia on Second Amendment grounds, Jim. I didn't realize the correlation between the virus and the Second Amendment there. Jim. Liberals will take every opportunity to take away your gun rights, Mark. It'll do another cover of darkness and during when everyone's suffering from this COVID crisis. Got it. So you've you've got the picture. Can you just send me a couple of photos of the stockpiles of weapons that (laughs) that Governor Northam has uh, seized down there? But I really do think, Mark, on that point. I think that the timing of that is going to come back to hurt the Democratic Party in Virginia. You know, let's outside of what the president has tweeted, I think you're going to have an uprising on of folks. I mean, gun rights in Virginia is certainly something that is a geographical, well, um, a geographical issue for them and could really have impact on 2020. So deftly done, Jim, set aside as you did the abject failure of leadership at the presidential oh, level. I think the, the phasing portion of the opening, no, you know, I think, but, but we are going to talk about states' Jim, rights a little bit, Mark. I actually, th- I actually think you're both missing the point. My take, and this kind of goes back to the Monday press conference, which I actually watched. Um. I think Trump's first mistake. No, it was, I mean, Trump is making everybody else play his game. And as long as that's the case, this guy is going to be really hard to beat in November. It's like the 1980s Celtics trying to beat the Lakers by playing Showtime basketball. We'll throw in a little sports here. Trump, if you watch that press conference, God, I miss sports. That, me too. <laughs> God. And he got just destroyed for in the media, in the lamestream media. Um, he had those, the press 100% plays this game on his terms. And as long as that's happening, he's tough to beat. No question, Mark. I, I, Howard, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, he talks about the, this phased reopening of America and then immediately starts talking about how, you know, certain states aren't doing enough to reopen. And then there's this, you know, this there's a reaction to it by folks that, you know, are going to react poorly to it and a reaction to it by folks that are going to 
react positively about it. But and it, but the reaction know, so, so he driving around in their cars to protest. Granted, it wants capitals because they're upset about it's the you know Mark, he wants about not opening their states. Wants enough. reaction. It's he wants it's to be the conversation. Agreed. Agreed. And as long as you get on here and everybody gets on CNN and talks about Trump, that's what he wants. That's what he's trying okay. to achieve. Agreed. And this is the Beltway briefing, and we're talking politics. And I don't disagree with you as a political matter that that is the dynamic that he is masterfully establishing because he is a genius at, at chaos. And you know but, I agree with you but, as a leadership and policy matter. This is a public health crisis and an economic one second. No, we're talking, we're shamelessly talking politics. It is dangerous and it now is now you're just fear mongering, Mark. That's all you're doing dangerous. now. You're as bad as Trump now. It is <laughs> dangerous. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> it is dangerous. It is disgraceful. And the political question, to come back to politics, the political question is whether the American people are going to hold him accountable for dangerous, disgraceful behavior in this life and death crisis. Or protecting or whether, rights of the citizens, whether, Mark. Or whether the same folks that voted for him the last time it thinks a, the government isn't looking out for them. Whether it's a game, I want to come back to that in a second. It's a game, and he may win the game. He may win the game, but it shouldn't be a game in a life and death crisis. And by the way, Jim, all those because the Democrats take the high ground every time as it relates to demagoguing and taking advantage of this crisis to get the things done that they okay. want done. Good. Right, Mark? Come so, on. Well, let's check off that talking point again. Well done. Well, the, 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 all you've been County, doing is the Nancy Pelosi Luzerne talking County, points. Jim. I mean, you might as well have. We might as well just so superimpose her face on the so screen. Here's the interesting. Well, no, we can't, Jim. She's on vacation. The president told us she was on vacation. I'm I'm hoping for a postcard from her. If I get a postcard from vacation, I'll post it for you, Jim. Luzerne County. Anywhere, Pennsylvania, anywhere, America, Trump voters, Obama Trump voters, uh, really, who got left out once again from the bailout, the SBA program out of money. We already know that a lot of it went to the haves. A lot of it did not get to the have nots. And just politically, not not to demagogue the issue. Are, are, yeah, you kind of are because those no, decisions no, I want to ask. I'm were made asking, by the banks, I'm, Mark. I'm asking those decisions were made and set up by the Democrats Jim, in Congress. Jim, right? I'm asking a question, a political question: whether those people are going to blame the president, who is, after all, in charge, or or not? I don't know the answer. This is Howard's question. I don't know the answer. But this just is not going well for the little guy. Well, I, I have to tell you, it, it's never going to go right. for the little but But at the, it, it's never a crisis narrative. like this. Right. But who gets never going to go well for the little guy? Who gets guy. blamed? Is and the in question. this instance, in this instance, what and if you look at what happened around the world as it relates to workers and protesting workers, and I'm talking over the course of the last couple of years, it's the little guy that's out protesting. It's the little guy that was with. 
Trump in 16. And it's the little guy that's going to be driving their cars around the Capitol wanting to get back to work, Mark. And that's that's what Democrats fundamentally miss every time. Every time they miss it. Well, this is what they, they've given Trump every opportunity to seize the message as it relates to the to the little guy voters. Again, disgracefully and dangerously and chaotically. How about the effectively at the end of the day when he gets reelected? We're going to find out. We're going to find out whether. Well, yes, those folks driving around the Capitol in Michigan are you just going to dismiss them as horribles again, Mario? I actually think that the no. administration is doing a decent job of executing these programs under very, very difficult circumstances. I mean, they, I was going to say they didn't write the bill, but that's not true. They wrote it with Congress. Everybody owns this legislation. No question. And they knew, and they knew what they were doing because they looked at the history of what was done in 08, 09. And I think actually the administration, and we're talking to them, you know, multiple times a day, I'm talking to Treasury, I'm talking to the Fed, talking to others. They, you know, they've done under very difficult circumstances a decent job. Yes, the SBA program is out of money. There's never going to be enough money. No, I and, agree. And and you know they're going to appropriate more marks. So look, I'm at not- the end of the day, this is all about the public health crisis and I think at the end of this um what's going to impact Trump is where we are from a public health perspective. And and where are we going to be with the abdication of federal responsibility for testing? Let's yeah, just talk no. about testing. It's it's, it's it, not good. We've said this before. In World War II, President Roosevelt didn't tell the governor of New York or Michigan or Minnesota Good luck with your battleship building program. It was a national crisis. It was a national effort. And testing testing is indispensable. In New York City, right? That's what he did. And I get it. I get your point, right? Uh, Yeah. yeah, I get your point with the federal, with the testing, Mark, and and putting it on the states. But to a certain extent, states, you know, Andrew Cuomo sits up there, and, and I think he's been doing a good job, but I think this week, you know, sitting there pounding for more money, more this, more that, um, that's just all showmanship too. I mean, he can be on the phone doing that in an effective way. He doesn't have to do it the way he's doing it now. He does that because the the folks in New York are reacting poorly to how things are going in uh, New York. So he needs, he needs a bad guy so, now to bang his fist. So Biden, meanwhile, Biden's the nominee and he is nowhere to be seen effectively. I think people were more excited this week about the Barack Obama video, the 12 minute video endorsing Biden than they were about any opportunity to see Biden. He shows up here and there like any other guest on television. Trump gets on TV at six o'clock every day. He knows what he's doing. He's holding campaign rallies. I mean, I, I just think, I mean, just on a, airtime basis trump is hogging the airtime he's making it all about him as always it's gonna hurt biden well that's the game i'm talking about the public health crisis not the game but just in terms of the game it was a good week for biden first of all we won the supreme court seat in wisconsin which 
the Republicans, again, public health crisis, risked lives to to try to win. The It's not fair to say that Biden was nowhere. You may not have watched it. I did, and millions of others did. The Biden-Sanders conversation uh, when Bernie came all the way in from the cold and enthusiastically endorsed Joe was very, very impressive. And a lot of people paid attention to it. I doubt that Jim found an opportunity to watch it. No, of course not. It I was a good. It was a good week uh, for Mark, Biden. And I yes. think it was a good feel-good moment, Mark. And I'll give you that. But but I also think that is what does that mean for Bernie supporters? Just because Bernie says something doesn't mean that his supporters are absolutely going to follow. No, of course they, they are. They are. You know, the Bernie supporters are. Very different voters, just like the Trump supporters, are very different voters than your traditional Democratic voters. I'll tell you who didn't watch it are the people that are going to decide this election, the people that decide every election, the people in the middle, the suburban soccer moms. They didn't watch that, Mark. They're not paying attention. They are paying attention to Trump. They're not paying attention to Bernie Sanders endorsing Joe Biden. They're not watching that conversation. They're not watching the Barack Obama video. Howard, they're not alone going to decide the election. There are two dimensions to the decision of this election. One is absolutely the suburban soccer moms, and they were not watching the Bernie video. They're going to hold Trump accountable for how we get out of this. And they're either going to be for him or against him. And we aren't going to know till we know Mark, what you know the old adage, like. though. Wait, they need wait, something wait. to vote for. But I want to... In this instance, what's Biden given anybody a reason? What has he done to give anyone a reason He's... to vote for him? At, to date, what has he done? And, and take primaries aside, primary voters or primary voters, general elections are won Agreed. by folks who are coming out to vote for something not against and something. we you've agreed to that on shows time and time again absolutely he's got and six, what are they voting for he's got six months to make his case it's a little challenging from his basement but i just want to go back to what howard said about how bernie's voters are not going to decide this election i disagree they are half of the equation because it's turnout on the democratic side They walked away from Hillary. It cost her the election. And we'll see. They have to be persuaded, Jim. He's got to make a case to them. We're going to agree. But I think on the Twitter sphere, you immediately see the campaign saying that walking away from Joe Biden is a terrible thing if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter. They're trying so hard to keep those folks in the tent. I'm not sure they get there. Sanders, Remains to be seen. Absolutely. We got six months and he's got to make a case. And by the way, and they others, pander to those voters, you lose the soccer moms. <laughs> you lose the other folks. Yeah. And didn't Biden come out this week and um, support a fracking ban in Pennsylvania? He did. He did. Mark, I that mean, would, what, what, why, why would you do that? Uh, I wouldn't. There okay. are there are <laughs> folks the in the coal and the oil and gas industry sitting around their 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 dining room tables this morning saying, "What the heck did he do? Why did he just do that? He's doing nothing but attacking our way of making a living." Bernie's and they're Democrats, Mark. Bernie's they're, socialist, they're lefty, kid supporters 
they don't they're not going to come out and vote we're going to find out and well that's a bad strategy well that's the only available strategy with the election six months from now and in the middle of this crisis you guys are talking like the polls open at uh, 7 a.m tomorrow the primary it's only 199 days away mark it's not that long and you just and as you said mark it's very difficult for anybody breakthrough with any message at this point in time and the one message that makes its way out we're going to ban fracking that's what biden said oh, I don't are you joking me paid any more attention to that than to the <laughs> people in southwestern pennsylvania and northeastern pennsylvania you know, did you bet your tail let's let's have a campaign now you guys if you want to call the election now Good. What? Uh, so how many- I'm just talking about the missteps, Mark, pointing out the missteps early on. And there's going to be more and more and because more. The Trump campaign as always. And what's he doing to get people to vote for him? I agree. Not much. Not much. Alienating yet. Pennsylvanians not, isn't a good start. Not much yet. And we've got six months and we're going to have a campaign. God knows what it looks like under these circumstances. And as we've said many times already in this uh, in this podcast, you got to see what the world looks like come November. I think a lot of this noise is going to come and go. You know, last week it was, and Trump is the master of distraction. This is all distraction from his failures to contain this crisis. Last week, I agree with you, but you can't play his game. Agreed, agreed. But, but that's being played on CNN. We're the only ones watching it. You got to give this a chance to break through to the American people who right now are worried about getting French fries from Costco. <laughs> I mean, Mark, if it, I got to tell you, Jake Schweitzer, if you're the picture of enthusiasm for Biden at this point, with the way you're talking about his campaign. He's in big trouble already. Well, here's exactly what's going on. Trump's voters, as they were last time, are more enthusiastic. All the polling shows it. But more people are for Biden than are for Trump. And that's why I keep saying turnout, turnout, and more turnout. You guys are talking about a persuasion election where Biden has got to convince the soccer moms to vote for him instead of Trump. They're going to. No, I, I think he's got to convince hardworking Americans to vote for him that didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. And he's not doing a good job of it yet. Got to convince people to come to the polls. And right now, what all the polling shows is that there are more people for Biden than for Trump in the six states that are going to decide the election. And uh, the popular vote isn't even... Back to the polling again. You're going to fall right into that trap. So... So let's talk about, let's talk about who makes sense for him as a VP pick. And I'm going to frame it this way. Is this This going to be two to one also? Can I next week invite? No, because Mark, I'm not. No, no, no. Last week, Howard, I'll make this statement. You are like Jekyll and Hyde. Last week, you were pounding away on me, Howard. This week, we're teaming up on Mark. I love it. Hey, bring it. Bring it. I can play any side. There's Blake Rutherford when you need him. No, because I'm not saying that I am that I'm supportive of Trump. All I'm saying is that as long as the media and the Democrats are playing half court basketball, when he's the master of half court basketball, they're hurting themselves. You got to play your own game. 
You got to play to your strengths and they're not. And it's frustrating to me because I don't like what he's doing from a leadership and policy point of view. So I don't like it. Who's his VP pick? I'm going to, I'm not going to speculate. I don't think we should speculate on individuals. I think we should talk about the profile of the person that makes sense. The profile that makes sense to me is not some, it's not Elizabeth Warren. It's not some left leaning socialist candidate. It is, she's not a socialist, but it's not somebody who's like hyper progressive. It's somebody who's, <laughs> it's some, that's the most positive thing I've ever said about Elizabeth. Right. It's somebody who is um, more centrist. It's somebody who has broader appeal and it's somebody who can win in 2024. So here's the interesting dynamic, I think. I'll go first as the resident uh, Democrat and punching bag this morning. I Here's the dynamic, which is fascinating, I, I, I think, as a political science matter. Everything you just said, Howard, is, is exactly right. He's got to make a smart, strategic pick that helps him win this election. That's what this is about. And it helps him govern if elected uh, and sets up 2024. But the reason he's not going to pick Elizabeth Warren, to use the example you cited, has nothing to do with any of that strategy. You can argue that strategy one way or another for her. I don't think it cuts in her favor, but it has nothing to do with that. Joe Biden is a human being who is constitutionally incapable of picking somebody he doesn't agree with and doesn't get along with. He is not JFK. He is not picking Lyndon Johnson to win Texas. The only pick he can make is one that he is comfortable with because that's who he is. And I know him, you guys know him. That That is what is going to govern this pick. And Elizabeth Warren is not someone that Joe Biden is comfortable with. He's comfortable with Amy Klobuchar. He may be getting comfortable with Gretchen Whitmer, although it's hard to get to know somebody over Zoom, as as we are all discovering. But I think you can eliminate a, a whole number of potential candidates just because they they aren't people that he's going to get along with and that he agrees with and that he's comfortable with. So it the political strategy aside, you got a real human element here that that isn't always the case. Well, Mark, you know him so and you've known him for a long, you know, your whole life in politics. And yep. so I hear well, you. I'm- I'm a uh, founding member of the uh, Klobuchar for vice president campaign, at least in in Pennsylvania in particular. She's someone who checks all the boxes you just mentioned. And to my point, they they get along. She's got to be the the leading contender. Kamala Harris is really interesting because she may check boxes. I think she does. I don't know that they get along. Well, she was think, a terrible the, presidential candidate. Yeah. More importantly, yeah. this yep. you gotta look ahead because Joe Biden's not gonna be the nominee in 2024. And I think the other thing that you gotta really look at is, especially in this instance, you're looking at the at a certain amount of states. Who's gonna win you one of those states right. you need? Right. Right. 100%. At the end of the day, it's about winning a state. Who's gonna deliver you a state? I think when Michigan, when, Pennsylvania, when and Trump Wisconsin. Picked, 
Hence, it wasn't about winning Indiana. It was about, you know, Mike Pence's demeanor, how he conducts himself, and quite frankly, the evangelical right. Christian vote, right. right? The conservative vote. It's amending the evangelical vote. Yeah. So so if if Biden's looking at it the same way, he's either going to pick somebody who's going to get him the far left vote, or he's going to pick somebody who gets him a state. No. And I think it's pretty much that simple. And what I'm trying to say is that's the political calculus. Yeah. But, but I believe that the first alternative, picking somebody to get him the far left vote, is, is unavailable to him. His DNA is not going to allow him to do that. I, I agree with it's you. Not I, think, I think you're probably right. JFK, and if he does, I think he's selling himself out. JFK did it, got elected president. Other vice presidential picks have been highly, highly political. That's just not him, I don't think. And I think you're going to see him pick somebody who checks the box of winning a state, of course, but but somebody who he agrees with. He doesn't agree with Elizabeth Warren. He doesn't agree with, uh, well, who knows? I don't know if he agrees or doesn't with Stacey Abrams because we don't know her. For sure, picking an unknown. Uh, it's a ridiculous pick. Picking Sarah Palin, it didn't go well. She couldn't win her. <laughs> didn't go well the first time and isn't going to go well the second time. Stacey Abrams is a is an absurd pick. She's She's never won anything. She was a Georgia state senator. She oh. gets people excited. It's like, why would you, why? Like, She's not going to win you Georgia. No. Right? Nope. So what else do you get? Nope. Don't know. Agreed. Politically. And, right? Agreed. We've crossed, you know, certain thresholds. Are, this is, a, they got to win. And they got to win, not now, not just now, but four years from now. And he has, he has a challenge because he's got to pick, he's anointing the next leader of the Democratic Party. It's a really hard pick. Well, yes, unless it goes badly, and then that person isn't going to matter. Right, but right, you got to win. First, yeah. you got to win. Right. Well, right. right, and the tradition in more Republican than Democratic, but also both sides of the aisle, the tradition is that even an unsuccessful vice presidential candidate becomes the heir to the next nomination. Not this time. I agree with with what Jim just said. You either win and she, because he's picking a woman, becomes the presumptive nominee in 2024, or you lose and whomever was on that ticket is, disappears from the political universe. What about everybody's favorite pick these days, Andrew Cuomo? I mean, yes, I know he said he's picking a woman, Mark, but that's not set in stone. Well, he was asked the other day about that, uh, and he he re-upped on that commitment. I think that may be as close to set in stone as, as you get here. But but a Biden-Cuomo ticket works for me. Yeah. What I, happened? I'll tell you what, that one definitely it, doesn't work for Western and northern Northeastern Pennsylvania. You got a guy who's banned fracking in his state and a guy who's said he's going to ban fracking in Pennsylvania. So what big problem? What happens if it's it's not even an if unless there's some viral therapeutic that they come up with some Tamiflu for COVID nineteen sometime in the next few months? Not happening. We're looking at 
There's no, there are no conventions. There are no live conventions, no in-person conventions, conventions, I should say. There's, there are no rallies. Um, who even knows how we go to the polls and vote? But how does that play itself out in the context of Biden trying to get people to come to him? He can't take the megaphone away from, from Trump. Well, if you're asking how you campaign for president yeah. from your yeah. basement, yeah, we're going to find out. I think you you have surrogates. You don't have rallies. Let's start there. We know that. But you got to command the public's attention, and you do that yourself if you're a leader, which I think Biden can be, and you do that through surrogates. And you do that online and you do that on television. And it's it's never been done before. Even in 1800, in Adams and Jefferson, you, you didn't have people quarantined to their basements. So, so we have never, we've never tried this before. And, and what... I mean, it's I it's, don't know which way it cuts. You would think it gives Trump an advantage because he can every night command a television audience. Yeah, which is what I'm saying. Yes. Going yeah. back to the very beginning of, of this yeah. podcast after the French fries. Right. Right. And we're gonna we're gonna find out what the challenger does in COVID times. And and we just don't know. It could cut hard any which way. Because we don't know what the world's going to look like in September when people start paying close attention to an election that right now is is of at best secondary interest. I would. Are we going to have virtual debates? I, we're not going to have in person debates. Oh, I think you will. I disagree with that. I think you will have two candidates socially distanced on a stage. You might. No, no. You might. Yeah, I, I don't no see that. I mean, I mean, look, it's very, it's, you know, we're sitting as we sit here locked away in our houses right now. We're not going to be locked away in our houses in September. That's pretty clear. Maybe folks in New York may still well, be. But, yeah. but, but I think some by and large, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania and some other places. Mark may be by choice. Yeah. Mark may be by choice. But but beyond that, yeah. and he's not going to be locked in his house in Pennsylvania, I can tell you that. So the, <laughs> I got to figure out <laughs> 30 miles of ocean. I got yeah. to cross 30 miles of ocean, yeah. six feet from other humans, and then I'm good. I can see on my ballot. What's the over-under date, Mark, on Nantucket? I know you and Sue Ellen have discuss this endlessly august, august, august one okay that would that yeah. would be fine you and felicia by the way will roll your july visit to august Come okay on. very good jim and michelle are welcome and the girls there and you'll go. come back in december which, <laughs> which year however <laughs> which year because he's definitely voting absentee yeah you know, i've just already got i have a stack of mail-in ballots just just on that it's been this is a diversion from our topic du jour, but it's been incredible how we have been able to be, I feel like we are more effective um, or just as effective talking to Hill staff, talking to administration staff by phone from our home offices 
as it is walk the halls. Things that take us half a day normally now take half an hour. People are dialed in. All these conversations we're having, I mean, people are paying attention. They're taking it seriously. They're busy as hell, but they're listening. It's been, I got to say, it's been incredible. And I think in a lot of ways, Mark, more effective. It's, I, it's at least as effective. I've been, frankly, uh, amazed at how focused everybody is. It is uh, all day, as you were saying, uh, as I know is true of Jim also, you wake up in the morning and get on the phone or on Zoom or whatever, and and all day, everybody is dialed in, literally dialed in and focused. And it has been an unusually and very, to me, surprisingly productive, productive. Yeah, I mean, even with kids kind of running around in the background, right? I was on the phone with a with a high-level official yesterday who had kids running around in the background, but was focused the entire time, dealt with the kids, got back to the phone, stayed focused. Like people are multi multitasking in a way that they've never had to before. And it's going pretty well all in all as it relates to dealing with government right now. I, I agree 100%. I, I think two, two things have really surprised me. One, and Jim, you and I have talked a lot about this, we're not China. Thank goodness we're not China. But but this country has done what is, to me, just a, a stunning job of locking itself down. I never thought Americans were going to be this good at staying home. But, but we have proven to be much better at that. And, and, and I think it's because of focus. Again, people are focused on, on their health. And and from home, people have been much more productive than I expected. And, and that, by the way, just to segue to another topic for one minute, forget politics for, for a moment here. This is going to forever change American life. We joke about, Howard, you and I aren't going back to the office because we're comfortable uh, where we are. I'm, I'm not joking. But well, I'm not either. <laughs> but, but neither are a lot of Americans. You have Mark Zuckerberg saying the other night on CNN, Facebook is going to be working remotely for the duration. Keep his people home because they can work remotely and let only people who can't work from home reopen the economy and go to work. And that's that's happening across the economy. But I think Washington and places like Washington, but Washington in particular, it's a social town. If you're Republicans, you want to go meet at the at the Capitol Hill Club and have a social have a social atmosphere when you're having discussions with folks that people are eager to get back to that. I don't think that's going to be entirely dismissed. I think they're, you know, the culture of politics and government is kind of this personal interactions. You might be a little more spaced apart, but I think people are really going to be anxious to get back to that culture. Uh, to some Thanks degree. Wearing a mask. To some degree, but yeah. I think there will be a cost-benefit analysis of whether clients from California fly across the country and sp spend, you know, basically a whole week between the travel back and forth and a couple of days of meetings, or whether 
they dial in by phone and we hold meetings by phone because it may not be yeah, it, the relationship building aspect of things may be a little harder, but you get you get a lot of bang for the buck this way. It's yeah, uh, it's been pretty incredible. It has. Yeah. And, but but now we can come full circle to uh, the politics that we love to uh, fight about. May 4, May 4, Congress is supposed to reconvene in person, physically present, since other than unanimous consent, you can't act as a Congress remotely. Uh, we're we're going to see, Jim, that's going to be real interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see literally what it looks like, what the floor of the House or the Senate looks like when people are wearing masks and keeping their distance. That's right. That's right. We're too- All right. Well, guys, to be continued next week, uh, we seem to be making a Saturday habit of this because, frankly, we're too busy during the week to do it Monday through Friday, which is which is good. Um, but please stay safe, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And Mark and Jim, thanks so much. Hey, hey, Howard, yeah. why don't we give a plug for the 11 o'clock um, Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce. We're going to, we're all going to be talking about COVID four. So those of you who are interested, um, go to either my Twitter page at, at Jim underscore Schultz or, uh, Cozen O'Connor or Cozen O'Connor public strategies, get onto the chamber page and sign up and hear about COVID four next Thursday, 11 o'clock. Great. This coming Thursday, 11 o'clock. Thanks, Jim. Great. Thanks, Mark. Bye. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.